0: Welcome to the New York Mandate Podcast, where we take a look at the costs and consequences of New York's COVID-19 vaccine mandates. I'm Amy, and in this series, I'll be talking with people who have been directly affected by mandates about their perspectives and experiences. I'm here today on Zoom with Christina, who's a teacher, and uh, she has a kind of complicated story that involves a lot of different things going on in life. Um, I think it kind of, we've talked a little bit before, and your story is, I think, a reminder that there are all kinds of things going on in people's lives that the vaccine mandates uh, intersect with and affect. So let's talk about that story. Um, yeah. what, uh, and about how the vaccine mandates affected you. Um, what were you doing when the pandemic started?
1: Um well I was teaching I'm a alternate assessment district 75 teacher so I'm currently teaching middle school um so they kind of just were like hey go home we'll figure it out you know they gave us training remotely as best they could for Google, but it was something I never used. I actually didn't even really have my own technology like that at the time because my computer had just broken. So I had to like take one of the broken kid ones and it was a Mac and I have no idea. I don't own anything Apple, so I have no idea how to use it and stuff. So it was a little challenge and our children never really were Exposed too much to that type of technology and how to use it, so it was very difficult for my kids, especially to be able to just fully go remote like that. Um, a lot of them, what I wound up doing, I was fortunate to have like amazing powers. So, what we wound up doing is we would like FaceTime with the kids and then they I would like log in we would have to do like individual meetings instead of like group meetings and stuff and we would log in as them and kind of like scribe for them they would you know give we would share a screen they would give us the information and we would kind of have to scribe for them and then the following year I think we went back in like January-ish like the beginning of January December-ish mm-hmm. um, you know we really worked on training and making sure we use the computers and stuff so when we wound up going remote again it you know it was a lot better but still not great you know attendance obviously was an issue for a lot of our kids um I come from a school where especially that year in particular a lot of my students families um were Spanish speaking so it was very difficult to you know give that type of translation to them I had an alternate assessment I'm sorry an alternate placement para who was amazing. And she's did a lot of the translating and stuff for us. Um, but also one of the big issues that I found out literally months later, if not when we were back in school was the way the iPads looked and the way that the computers are when you're using these programs were two different things. So I would put all these videos up of step to step by step tutorials on how to get onto the meetings and how to, you know, um, um like upload your work and say that you completed it and stuff. But then they would never use them. And I never understood why. And it was because it was completely different on their viewing. So it was definitely um
0: it was definitely a struggle. Explain for people about District 75, because
1: I think not everyone listening will understand what that is. Yeah, well, there's different parts of District 75. Um, There are buildings where it's just District 75, and then there are also like inter-co-integrated schools, Um, and it depends really- like some students are standardized and some are alternate assessments. So standardized means like they're following the curriculum that a typical student would follow, but they might have accommodations or might need to only meet like a certain amount of the standards rather than all of them. Like it really depends on the kids. the students' needs, um, or alternate assessment, it goes based more on their cognitive ability. So their um, disabilities are more extreme, um, whether it's behavioral, intellectual, or you know, on the spe- on the spectrum, or Down syndrome, whatever the case is. Um, so they go based more on their cognitive abilities rather than following the, sta- the state standards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And so tell me again, how, how long were you remote with them?
1: Um, we went remote the first time. What was it like March? I don't know the exact month. So I'm just going to like estimate. Um, it was like March of 2020 for the rest of that year. And then I think we might've like, I don't think we went straight back. I think we, State, i honestly like it's all like one big blur at this point um i know cumulatively like between going back and forth and stuff it was at least like a good year like i'm pretty sure the following year i think they had tried to go back maybe like october and then they closed down again and then they reopened in january and then they had tried to do the testing which i knew from there there was going to be issues with the vaccines um but it was really just like a lot of back and forth. It was constantly like open and close, open and close. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: So then when did you, um, when did you hear about the mandates?
1: (laughs) I was actually on my honeymoon (laughs) when it was like official. Um, but I actually kind of had a feeling from the testing. I even gave like a really hard time with, um, allowing them to test because, um, First of all, I have an issue with as a teacher, and a lot of people who don't teach probably don't know this, but as a teacher, you are not privy to knowing if your student has a transmittable disease. So, if a kid has HIV, some sort of hepatitis, like you are not told that unless the parent chooses to disclose it to you because it's a violation of their HIPAA law. And you cannot disclose it to other people because it's a violation of their HIPAA law. So, I thought it was very hypocritical that i am fine and i am not sick at all i don't have any symptoms or anything like that and i would have to get tested to prove that i'm healthy and disclose my medical information to you time and time again but a kid and you know i've worked in many different schools this isn't just 675 um because i was a substitute prior but i've had kids that have bit me i've had kids bleed on me throw up on me like you have all like as a teacher, you're exposed to all of these different things, but it it doesn't matter because it it's oh well you're the teacher, like you it's HIPAA law, but now rules are reverse and oh no, you have to tell us everything. So it just didn't make sense to me. And I also was hearing a lot of different things about the different companies. And, um, I'm very against like the ancestry things, because if you read the fine print, like they're allowed to sell your DNA, they're allowed to do whatever they want with it. And, you know, I, I went crazy, like sending them like the UFT, like pages and pages of stuff from like the EEOC and everything like that and making like getting the, um, the agreement from the companies and stuff and ensuring like they were not allowed to give our DNA to a third party and stuff like that. And everyone's like, oh my God, you're crazy. What are they going to do like clone you or something? And I'm like, no, but they can essentially use it to do medical studies or do whatever they want. So like I wanted to make sure I had in writing as crazy as that might sound, that they couldn't do that.
0: (laughs) Right. So so what happened there? You wanted to get it in writing, what
1: Eventually, they said, like, like, no, it will only be used, you know, and I got the information I wanted. Um, But it was funny, because it's supposed to be public knowledge, and they would not even speak to me unless I provided them. I'd made up like, um, anonymous email and stuff like that. But they wouldn't even speak to me or give me any information unless I verified that I was a teacher and give them my file number and all my information and I was like this is public knowledge like what if I was a parent or a student who was concerned about this I have every right to know Mm -hmm. and they would not give me any information unless I provided my information so eventually I got the information I wanted and I had to fill it out because you know I wasn't gonna that wasn't the battle I was trying to to fight. Right. But I let it be known. I was like, if we're going to get mandated, I said, I'm going to wind up lose my job because the vaccine is coming and they are going to mandate us if they're making us test now, they are going to mandate the vaccine for us and I will lose my job over it. And everyone's like, oh, please, please. And I'm like, I promise you that's going to happen. And sure enough, that's what happened. Oh, please, please. Meaning they didn't believe there would be a mandate. Um, some of it was like, oh, they're not really going to do that. This was like really early stages. And then eventually people were like, oh, you really won't go out. Like you're really going to lose your career. Like you really won't just go get it. And it was even people who really didn't want it. Like there's a lot of people who caved in my, in my site, particularly like more than half of us weren't. And then the mandate came and only myself and one other person just at our site throughout all of the sites, there were a lot that, were you know went out but just in our sight a lot of people wound up caving because they couldn't afford who just got married who just had a kid who just bought a house they didn't have a choice you know Mm -hmm. but I was like no I I will be going out like you guys this will be the end of me (laughs) like no why did you feel so strongly about it there's a couple different reasons for starters um I I have like my basic vac- vaccines from when I was a child. But first of all, this isn't a vaccine. It is a shot. <laughs> it does not stop the spread of the virus. That's number one. You can, it's you, whether you're vaccinated or not, the same things can happen to you. So I didn't feel it was necessary to get it. I thought it was stupid. Um, I also don't like the fact that it's brand new and you don't know what the side effects are, what they weren't. Um, With the long-term effects of it was, I have some religious, you know, issues with it. And one thing that really stood out to me was when I was younger, when the HPV vaccine first came out, my doctor was like, oh, you should get it. You should get it. And I was, I was going to get it. My dad was like, absolutely not. You don't know what it is. And then, you know, it turned out a lot of people who got HPV vaccine wound up getting HPV from it and stuff. So that had stood out to me. Um, and then one of the other issues I had with it was a lot of the information that was coming out of the side effects that were coming issues with your menstrual cycle issues, having children, um, you know, all the heart complications and, you know, things like that. And I already have issues as far, like I've endometriosis. So I, a lot, I already have a lot of issues when it comes to my menstrual cycle and reproduction and stuff like that. And I was just getting married. I want to have kids. I was already going to have problems with it. And that was not a risk I was willing to take and still not. Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: I, I was just listening to, um, our health commissioner speak earlier today and he was, um, saying that a lot of those concerns are unwarranted, that, you know, there aren't any problems with fertility. There aren't any problems with.
1: Yeah. The, well, that's funny Cause I just read an article that they want to add it to the list of side effects. So that's a crock of, you know, what. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. So, so
0: th- the kind of reassuring language like that, that we were hearing from public health officials, um, was not convincing to you?
1: No, not at all. I literally, there were groups like on Facebook and, and there were different articles that were coming out about people who were having reactions as far as, you know, the reproductive and menstrual cycle and stuff that it was lasting longer. It was heavier. It was more painful. People didn't have it at all. There was one person I know, um, that it, I'll say it is rumored because she didn't tell me herself that after she got the vaccine, she, I don't even know if she still got her period since then. Like, and she had just gotten married. So it just really wasn't something I was going for. Mm-hmm. And even I wound up getting pregnant on my honeymoon and I tried to get an, a medical exemption because I wanted to do a religious exemption. Um, but I was told due to my faith, I was not allowed to do one. So I said, okay, I'll try for a medical. I think that's ridiculous, but whatever. Um, and my doctors, um, I had to use like a fertility specialist and stuff. And they, they literally told me like, we're not allowed to give you one. Like we're told we're not allowed to give it to you. Like, and so I was like, okay, can you at least give me one for accommodation? According to the CDC, if you're pregnant, you're more likely to contract it. So I figure I can maybe get like remote work or something like that. And that didn't work either.
0: Okay, so there are a bunch of issues and a
1: bunch of people <laughs> I want to ask you
0: about in what you just said. But first of all, congratulations. Um thank you uh, getting married. And on um your other news (laughs) so um so you heard about this when you were um on your honeymoon yep you had um okay so who you said that somebody told you that you were not able to get a, a religious exemption that you shouldn't apply for one
1: so essentially we were told by the union and it was part of like the stipulation that if your religion has openly said that it is okay for you to get the vaccine that you essentially would be denied and like, don't even bother applying, like you wouldn't get accepted. So part of that was, I guess the pulp came out and said like, for the greater good, it's okay to get it. And he came out and said, and so because he did that, they essentially t- told Catholics like you're not allowed to get an accommodation, uh, and I'm sorry, an exemption. And you're Catholic. Correct. Right. So, so who, um,
0: who told you this in the union? I've I've heard different things from um, you know. I spoke. Well, it's literally are-
1: like on like the paperwork, like that, the like of the stipulations of what exemptions you can get. It's said on there like religious exemptions, but like you needed to have a letter from a clergy person. And in one of the meetings that we had with the UFT, they said, if, you know, as I said, you know, the Pope, you know, the Pope came out and said it. So the real, the chance of you getting it as a Catholic is slim to none. Hmm. Okay. So you decided to take a pass on that. Since well, after I got denied for the medical exemption, Uh, It wasn't even an exemption. I tried for an accommodation because they wouldn't write me an exemption letter. I then went to try to do for the religious just to, you know, try, even though it was probably going to get denied. And I was not allowed to. And still to this day, I'm not allowed to put in for a religious exemption. And I've written and I've called and I've complained and it doesn't matter. They're like, well, you already tried for one. So too bad. So sad. Okay. So that's because you,
0: um, got missed the cutoff for that or something, or you applied for a different one. So they won't let you apply for a-
1: essentially. Cause I applied for the medical. I wasn't allowed to no. apply for the religious, Okay. which if I would have known that I would have tried for the religious first because the medical was an accommodation and the religious is more important to me, but it doesn't matter. Cause nobody was getting them anyway. Right.
0: So, so what happened with the medical? You, you were not able to get a letter for it?
1: So my doctor that I was working with at the time when I had asked if I could get an exemption because I was a high-risk pregnancy. Um, so I asked if I can get an exemption for being pregnant, which also was not part of the criteria that the DOE had given out. Um, they literally told me, I'm sorry, I'm not allowed. Right. Okay.
0: So, um so then what what was the process between being rejected on on those fronts and what happened next?
1: Well, I mean, it was pretty quick cuz they like from being denied and it so I put in for the medical a couple of days went by, I didn't hear anything, so I reached out to my UFT rep because I didn't know if I should come to work the next day because we got all, like, the last day was a Friday, so I didn't know if I should come to work on that Monday because I didn't get denied, I wasn't accepted, they didn't weren't really clear on what the rules were, and so he then reached out, and then I literally just got a blank piece of paper with my name on it, it said, medical, denied. I didn't have any type of, you're supposed to have like in our, like, um, like a face to face zoom meeting or whatever, like pleading your case. And this. that I got nothing. I just got the letter, literally a blank piece of paper, my name and denied. <laughs> hmm. And when was, and the- so that was the last day. This was literally the last day we were allowed to work. Right. So, so I just wound up going on LWAP, which okay. is leave without so- pay
0: yeah leave without pay so what what date was that though what what
1: when did that happen um i believe it was september what is it september 31st october 1st whatever that last day was so the end of september yeah
0: okay um that was fast (laughs) you had a very short period of time to handle all the mandate requirements yeah yeah um Okay, so then you were on leave without pay. And what did that
1: status mean for you? Um, I mean, well, that year I was supposed to, you know, we had just gotten married, we're now having a baby. I had to disclose very prematurely to everyone that I was pregnant, which I didn't want to do, being I was high risk and was having complications. Mm-hmm. Um, we were supposed to like buy a house this winter, you know, that just passed and Instead of doing that, we wound up having to give up our apartment because now we're on one income, paying off you know our wedding and now having a baby, and so we lost our apartment and now we're kind of essentially just we're very very fortunate that we have parents on both sides who are still together and still have enough room for us in their houses. So while I was pregnant, I was we were staying with my in laws. And, um, cause all my doctors, you know, were there. And then once we had the baby, we had some complications afterwards. So, um, once that kind of settled down enough where we could move, we moved back in with my parents, which is upstate. So I don't even get to live in, you know, New York city anymore. <laughs> don't have my apartment, couldn't buy a house. So right. obviously not so fun. Right. Right. And I don't have the job that I love.
0: Yeah, tell me about tell me about the job. Why did you go into that field?
1: Um. Sorry. I don't know. I just always wanted to be a teacher.
0: From the time you were a kid? Yeah,
1: that's just always what I wanted to do. It's, i always, I used to play school with like, all, I'm the oldest girl cousin. So with my little sister and all, like my little cousins are all around the same age. We used to like play school all the time. And I was always the teacher. Um, and one thing, this is going to sound so silly, but um, the movie Matilda, I always wanted to be like Miss Honey and just like save a child like Matilda as weird as that is so i always used to pretend my name was miss honey when i was a teacher like te- you know when i was playing school and stuff like that and it's just it's just always what i've wanted to do i've never wanted to do anything else it's just my my passion my calling
0: so what was the path to that for you
1: how how did you become a teacher i just went to school and took whatever classes i could Wound up taking a bunch of classes upstate and then transferring, and those classes essentially didn't count. So I had to redo everything. Um, You know, you had to do observations and you know student teaching and this and that. And I actually, I my family jokes like I'm a forever student because I've been in college full time since I graduated high school. But I just finished with my thirty and above, literally in December. So because. I had 18 extra credits and, you know, my salary was supposed to go up and it didn't go up enough. So I had to do extra classes and it was just the whole thing. Um, So now I'm supposed to be at my 30 and above and instead I have no salary at all. Right.
0: Well, You you went into a a pretty challenging area of teaching. How did how did you get there?
1: Um, Well, I was a substitute teacher for a very long time. Um, at a Title One focus school, and it it was a rough school. The kids essentially like ran the school. It, but I loved it. It because the kids respected me. Like they they knew not to pull certain things with me. And the when you work in a school like that and you see how happy the kids are to actually learn and have someone who generally cares about them and, and gives them everything that they can to help them to succeed and provide that stability that they might not have at home and stuff like that. It's just a very different, um, it's a different feeling than being in say, like a more upper class type of school where the students don't have as many struggles at home and stuff like that. And I was there as a substitute for a lot of years, um, probably a good four or five. And um, unfortunately every year there was something out of the school's hands. They really just couldn't hire me. I always had a full-time position for the year. I was there every single day, but they didn't have enough kids and they had to have excess and stuff like that. Um, And so in 2019, after being with that school for so long, I decided not to take anything long-term and kind of start going to other schools because I just couldn't keep putting, I needed a full-time position at this point. And in the beginning of September, I wound up covering a um, care leave um, for the entire year and they wound up hiring me and I, I love it. It's just, it's amazing. I don't know. Like I get and I'm very fortunate. And I, I want to give a big shout out to all of my like coworkers in my administration because I heard such horror stories about how people were treated who were going out because of the mandate and who had these feelings that I had. And my administration and my coworkers were the complete opposite. They were nothing but supportive and absolutely amazing. A lot of them came up to me, how telling me how proud they were that like, you know, you have, you know, this is how you feel and you're sticking to it and you're fighting for what you believe in. And like, still to this day, I still talk to a lot of my coworkers and go out with them and stuff like that. So I I'm so fortunate and I'm so I'm praying I get to go back to them because there's never... I hit the trifecta with my school. I really did. I have an administration who is absolutely amazing and understanding and helpful. I have coworkers... Hold on one second. I have coworkers who all work together and we all go out and the kids are amazing and their parents are understanding and caring And you don't ever get all of that, you know, a lot of schools, there's a lot of clicks going on or the admin rides, you. like there's always something. And where I am, it's just amazing. Like, I don't feel like I'm going to work every day. Like I go and I hang out, you know, obviously I'm teaching, I'm doing things, but it's more of, oh, I'm, you know, I'm hanging out with the kids and I'm teaching them how to do things or, you know, me and my coworker who are also friends are co-teaching together and it just makes the environment so much more fun. And so it it's a better environment for the kids as well. So I, I just, I really, really hope that I get to go back because I, I just love it. I really do. Mm-hmm.
0: So, um so when you went on leave, what, what, what did you retain? Um, so you're, you're still on unpaid
1: leave, right? Correct. You were not, they, they did not
0: terminate you.
1: No. So when they, when we went on leave, we had to sign the agreement we were going on leave. And then randomly the union didn't notify us. There was no email that went out. No, nothing. I found out through Facebook, a Facebook group for like-minded people and that we had to reapply for our leave by I think it was the end of November or the beginning of November or sometime in November and if we didn't do it by that date we were going to be terminated so thank god I was on that Facebook group cuz I would have never even known I had to do it and in doing so they slid in there that you essentially had to sign away your rights to sue and do other things So what I chose to do was I signed in Solus, which is the system we have to update our stuff in. I signed in there and I sent an email to the chancellor and to Mayor de Blasio at the time and whatever other emails I could get hold of. I sent them a very, very long, lengthy email about how this was not in the original arbitration agreement and that you just slid this in there. And I feel like I'm being blackmailed and I, how I will sign in solace, but I'm doing so under duress. And then I put like a blurb of what I do agree, what terms I do agree to and what I don't agree to. And the reason that I had done that was because in the original arbitration agreement that was set for the first signing away um, in October, It had stated that we must choose by September 5th of 2022, you must either get your vaccine and come back or you have to formally resign. And if you don't do either, it'll be seen as disciplinary. And not only will you be terminated, but they were going to come after our state license. Mm -hmm. And I worked very, very hard and paid a lot of money to get my state license and in no way, shape or form was were was I going to allow them to try to come after that. So, I kind of covered myself so I could still sue if I need to and I protected my license cuz I was not that wasn't the fight I was trying to go for. You know, I wasn't losing my license. So you specified the terms that
0: you were accepting and those that you were not. Correct. Do you have um some kind of assurance that that has been accepted? that what you specified no, nobody
1: answered time. they they don't answer anything they don't get back to you about anything it's pointless but i have at least the email trace and you can see you know and speaking to lawyers, like no it's clearly corrosion you know it's clearly blackmail like and, and i even said that you're literally telling me you're i either have to sign this piece of paper to your terms that we did not agree upon or i'm gonna be fired and you're gonna take my license away that's that's literally the definition of blackmail you do what i say or xyz bad is going to happen to you that's blackmail so i knew as far as the courts were concerned it wouldn't really hold water so i wasn't worried about it
0: um so that's coming up right the end, in september
1: term.
0: yeah in september um yep. wh- what do you expect to happen then
1: I mean, there's definitely a lot of different rumors going around. I personally don't think by September, per se, it'll be lifted. Um, maybe later on in the year, maybe not. I don't know. There's so many different rumors going around and such. Um, but being I'm able to, I'm going to go on a child's care leave to try to give myself some more time. And also being I live upstate now, you know, I don't really have any one to watch my child or anything so I do need regardless the child's care leave so but then there are rumors going around that unless you get vaccinated you won't be able to take your leave so there's so many different factors that I I generally don't even know what September is going to come it's I can't even plan for it because I there's just so many things that I I don't know so we'll find out September probably September 4th (laughs) Oh, no, I believe it's the seventh. I'm sorry. It is the deadline, I believe, is the seventh because it's the day after my birthday. So that should be fun. Mm. Great birthday um, present.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, I've heard uh, some there's there's a September 5th deadline that I've heard about for some things. Um, maybe there's also the seventh. It might be
1: the fifth. I don't know. I just mm-hmm. know it's the like a day before after right. my birthday. Yeah,
0: right, right. <laughs> um <laughs> So so you'll go on a leave. Um, what, what do you have during all this time you've been on uh, leave without pay? What kinds of benefits have you retained?
1: Um, Just medical benefits. We're not allowed to work. We're not, a collect, we're not allowed to collect unemployment or any type of governmental assistance. So that I just have my health benefits, which I will lose in September, regardless of what happens, unless we magically go back.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, were you also, were you also required to sign something saying that you would not take other employment or that you wouldn't work in, in any other That was just
1: part of the arbitration agreement. So when we went on leave without pay, those were the terms we were agreeing to. You can't work, you can't collect unemployment.
0: Does that mean um, you can't work, say,
1: like in a part-time job, not
0: not a replacement full-time job, but just like uh, you could? Could you? Nope, take it can't a work at all. Now? You
1: can't, can't work at all. Can't work at all. And I even said, well, what if I had? I said many teachers work two jobs. Like, what happens if I had another job? And like, well, that's an extenuating circumstance. So you would have to get special permission and blah 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 and all this, and it would have to be dependent on the hours. And um, unfortunately, I had. I- wasn't working a second job because I was doing, I was doing after school and you know all whatever, you know paid overtime. I was able to get through the DOE because it was good money, and uh, I was doing summer, you know summer school with my kids and after school. So unfortunately, that didn't leave time for my second job because my my overtime with the DOE was my second job. So right. I literally have just not been working, and I'm somebody who, prior to being hired full time with the DOE, I had three jobs since I was 14. So I'm just going a little, a uh, little stir crazy. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so how long? So you're going to take the child care leave, and then, so how long would that last?
1: Um, from my understanding, you're allowed to be on a child care leave until you have a child um, who's, as long as you have a child under the age of four. But I don't plan on doing that as soon as, you know, I'm able to figure out because I can't not continue working. It's just not a thing. So I'm going to do it for the year. And if by September, the following September, so September of 23, things haven't changed with them because the mandate doesn't, it's not upstate. It's only in the city. Right. Right. So if by then I, you know, if I'm living here and I'm, you know, I'm still staying upstate, I'll have kind of my child's care situated because I'll have my family up here to help me. Um, So between that and, you know, babysitters, whatever, I'll be able to have my child's care figured out and I'll have to just resign from the DOE, unfortunately, and try to find hopefully a teaching job up here, but if not, I'm going to have to figure out something else because I can't continue not working.
0: Mm -hmm. So your priority is kind of, um, making sure that you don't lose your certification, your ability to work elsewhere in the state.
1: Yeah. Yeah. it's all I want to do. I can't like, I, I can't see myself not doing it. Like I, I, I just can't, Yeah.
0: What do you think about the, um, the kinds of arguments about safety for children that were made very early on? I know that you, you were saying that, um, you didn't see the, the reason for, um, taking the vaccine because you know, it's, it has not been effective in stopping transmission which we've seen, <laughs> um, but of course, in the very beginning, we were promised that it would stop transmission. And that was one of the main arguments that people made for you know, um, everyone taking it, taking the vaccine. And there were a lot of people who said, well, teachers especially, this argument was made for teachers and healthcare workers. Those people especially must take the vaccine to to stop transmission, and then later it was said, you know, to slow transmission, to protect the children. And I think that argument is still being made. Um, People will present studies that say, um, you know, the people who have taken the vaccines are less likely to transmit the virus, and we have to do everything um, we can to prevent children from being exposed to it, even if it's just a reduction. What, What do you think about those arguments and um, and what do you say to people who, you know, maybe not public health officials, but just regular people who have kids in school who are concerned about that, who are concerned about teachers, um, uh, concerned about their kids, uh, you know, safety in school.
1: Yeah. So I, I'm going to address a couple things. First, I think a lot of I think the media did a very good job wording how they felt what the vaccine did, because the way I took it from the beginning and the way like my brother and a lot of other people I know took it was, oh, it's just not going to hospital. It'll make it so you're not hospitalized. I never took it and I don't think they ever really presented it as you will not get it. They kept saying you're not, it'll help it so you won't die. It'll help so you're not hospitalized. And I feel a lot of people took the wording that they use and they internalized it as, oh, it's going to stop me from getting it as far as the argument, like how we have to protect the children and this, that, and the other thing, I would give my life for my students, like without question, but honestly, like it's a crock, like it's they, the media and, you know, all, all these people who are brainwashed by the media like to try to guilt teachers into doing things by going, oh, but the children, but the children, the children, it's the children. And a lot of that is not even the case. Nine times out of 10, if not 10 out of 10 times, anytime we had a case or any teacher I knew that ever got COVID, including myself, we got it from the students. Number one, not the other way around. Um, as far as the protection, when I got COVID, I literally, I didn't really go anywhere else. I wasn't really going food shopping or anything. you know, I might go food shopping here and there, but it was, I got COVID for Christmas of 2021. No, that was last year, 2020. And during that time, all of the windows were open. So it was an icebox in all of the schools. Absolute icebox, like literally we were in blankets, hats, gloves, the whole night. I had an N95 on, the student that I got COVID from had an N95 on and sat across the entire class. So it, it doesn't matter. Like if you actually do your own research and you actually look into what the protection does and what's actually being said about it, they've come out very clearly and said the masks don't really do anything. So why that's even a thing? I don't know, it's ridiculous the students if you look at the information that's given the hospitalization rate is so low for for kids like it just doesn't and none of it makes sense it's just people trying to guilt the teachers into doing it and oh the children the children and a lot of this they do that with a lot of things It's not just COVID, unfortunately, but it's a lot of the times not the case.
0: Did you, um, you came to the conclusion that you caught COVID from a student because that student tested positive or got sick around the same time? Or how did you know that?
1: Yes, he, I found out, um, almost a week later, accidentally, um, that the student had had COVID. And nobody else I knew had it and myself as well as another cluster teacher had it and nobody else in the school had it. So the only thing and the student's mother worked for healthcare, So the only nobody in our families had it like it was, you know, the three of us. So and he had it before I tested positive. So the only thing that makes sense was I had got it from that student.
0: Right. How did that go for you?
1: I was fine. I thought I just had allergies. I helped my mother-in-law do the Christmas tree and I had like wealth that day and I was very prone to allergies at the time. And so I, and sinus infections. So I just thought I was having a sinus infection and then found out he was positive. And I was like, oh, I guess maybe I should go get tested. And it turned out I also had it. All right.
0: So did you see, um, did you see any like severe covid around you did it hit your school in that way at all or you know
1: elsewhere in your life um not no not really i mean nobody i knew luckily you know had a a really bad case i have an uncle who is 93 turning 94 he's had covid twice and the first time he had covid he had double pneumonia and he survived thank God, (laughs) you know? So I'm not saying that there aren't people who do get sick from it. I'm not saying there aren't people who have died from it, but that's any type of disease that happens with the flu, you know? So, you know, it's just one of those unfortunate things we're going to have to learn to live with. It's not going away. Mm
0: -hmm. How is all of this, um, affected your perspective on you know the school system the the city government the uh, you know uh, government structure and the powers that be well like has it has this changed your perspective on the various um entities that have been making public policy decisions
1: Mm -hmm. so (laughs) I actually hated politics and did not really know anything about politics or, you know, aside from what you, the basics you learn in school, I hated them. I didn't understand them. I didn't care for them. Nothing until COVID happened. And I started doing a little bit of research here and a little bit of research there. And as far as the school's concerned, like I said, my administration is absolutely amazing and they were very supportive um, so I can't say anything ill there. As far as the union is concerned, they completely screwed us and completely threw us under the bus. From the very beginning, it was, oh, we're for the vaccines. Like we're okay with you being forced for it, but we're gonna pretend there are certain medical reasons or certain religious reasons. And the arbitration agreement in which they settled on was just absolutely disgusting it really was the, the only medical reasons were if you were currently undergoing like certain cancerous treatments, which if you are, I'm sorry, most likely you're on a medical leave already. You're not working. It doesn't matter. Um, or if you already had myocarditis or, um, oh my God, I always go to say pancreatitis, but it's, uh, what's the <laughs> per- key word? Per- pericarditis. Yes, that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, you had to wait until it was cleared up. And as soon as it was cleared up, you then have to get the shot again. You then have to would get the shot. Like you might be exempt for a little bit, but as soon as it cleared up, you would have to then go get a shot that might re-give it to you or worse. Like those were the three medical reasonings behind it. Mm-hmm. And that was it. And the religious, like I said, it essentially was for... You know, a very small select group of people, and most people got denied anyway. So you felt like the union threw you under the bus. Well, the union, without a doubt, threw us under the bus. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't fight for us. They didn't. They literally did not even try. They didn't till this day. They didn't try. They they took the angle as we are okay with vaccinations. We think you should have it, and but under we, but we must do it through the arbitration. Like they were more concerned on how it was being implemented rather than the fact that it was being implemented. Cause guess what? Then they're trying to say how, Oh, well, you're a city worker. Like you signed up to do that. No, I didn't. In my contract, nowhere does it state I'm forced to get certain medical things or I'm forced to have certain vaccines. Like I don't have to like HIPAA just went out the window, like actual laws in New York city, don't exist any like it's it's mind-boggling how many laws and and policies that the government is supposed to follow just generally doesn't exist like they're literally legally not allowed to mandate vaccines for adults like it's literally a law in New York City but they went oh well doesn't matter you know like so many so many it's just all corrupt and a lot of the judges, even in a lot of the cases, they're finding out they have stock in in these companies, and they had to be asked to be recused. Why? Why did you not recuse yourself? You know, everybody's being bought off. It's all it's all lies and politics. Mm-hmm. Do you think
0: that there's ever ever a situation where that kind of um, you know? change, in, uh, that kind of power um, should be granted to the, to the government to take control of an emergency situation? Do you think there's, a, there's like a, some sort of criterion or some sort of bar that has to be reached and we just didn't reach it? Or do you think that the government should never have that kind of power regardless of an emergency situation?
1: It's tough to say because you really, truly don't know what like could be that deep, dire emergency situation where you might be like, okay, it's time to step in. But 99.999% of me, it's, it's none of your business. Like you don't, you shouldn't like, if we're going based on the constitution, cause this is America, like you legally don't have those rights. Like it, there's, you shouldn't be able to do these things. Mm-hmm. Like you just shouldn't.
0: because I think uh, you know the um, way that this has worked is that there have been emer- it's a state of emergency, right? They declare a state of emergency,
1: but it's not. That's the pro- that's one of the they're pre- they're using that as the excuse as to why they did it. But we're no longer in a state of emergency. We haven't been for quite some time. And even when it was a state of emergency, what you are distributing and what you are choosing to mandate people a is not safe b it's not effective and c it's not doing what you're saying it's doing so it just it it, none of it makes sense like they're just that's they're just doing whatever they want Mm -hmm.
0: do do you think there should be some sort of um uh review of what is considered an emergency by public officials what can be declared an emergency some sort of criteria set for that
1: i personally don't think the criteria would help because like we saw with covid they did what they want it they made it an emergency it wasn't always an emergency there there have been you know whistleblowers that came out and there was like the emergency, they didn't have enough PPE and they didn't have this. But then you have videos of whistleblowers being like, no, like I was asked to throw this out. Here it is. And this is right in New York city and all the PPEs there. You have the video of Cuomo, where's the PPE? And it's literally right behind him. You know, I, I've heard of people through other people who had, you know, they, they have all these people who, were marked as a COVID death when they were terminally ill already, or they were asked, Oh, can we give you X amount of money to put that it was a COVID death? There, you know, if you look at how the doctors weren't even allowed to prescribe vitamin D, like they weren't allowed to give basic vitamins to patients. They were being stopped from treating them. You had doctors going, why are we putting them on a ventilator? They're not meeting X, Y, and Z criteria, you know? So it doesn't matter what checklist they have. If they want it to be an emergency, they're going to make it an emergency. So they shouldn't ever have control for that reason. They shouldn't ever have control over mandating certain things. Like there shouldn't be an emergency for it. And there doesn't need to be a checklist because it doesn't matter. They'll just make sure they meet that checklist.
0: Why do you think that is happening? Why do you think that, like you're talking about, just all just kind of widespread corruption and misinformation and, um, you know, overexertion of power over people? Um, Why do you think all of that happened?
1: I think part of it was so they can get who they wanted in office, so then they can have whatever bills and laws and stuff they feel. Um, and other people just get power hungry or they drink the Kool-Aid or they, you know, start off by bending their morality stick ever so slightly. And then it bends a little bit more and then they lose who they are as a person. And then, you know, it's just, it's all corruption, unfortunately. And that's not me being a conspiracy theorist. It's not me hypothesizing. It's the, the evidence is right there it's out in the open. They openly say things like they don't even try to hide it. It's absurd.
0: I think there's a big um, difference in perception between people who see things the way you see them and people who are, you know, on board with vaccines and mandates and the whole program. Um, you know, there there's your point of view. And then people who say well you know it's just like people trying to do their best people in government there was an emergency this is a bigger crisis than we've ever seen and these are just um, it's not that they're you know corrupt or power hungry they they're just trying to manage a situation where the information is constantly changing why do you think that you see one thing and those people who have that other point of view See something completely different. Like, what is the difference between your general approach that is causing this huge discrepancy between how you're so
1: thinking? I was one of those people in the very beginning mm-hmm. when Cuomo first started doing his daily briefings, I was like, oh wow, he's handling this really well. And then as time went on, I started notice him saying some things that were um what's the word I'm looking for? Um Oh, my God. I'm going blank on the word. I'm sorry. He would say certain things at one point and then, a, you know, a couple of weeks later, say the complete opposite. Mm. OK. And so I started noticing little things here and there. And I think the perspective change has to do with research. A lot of people watch the news and it's the same thing over and over and over again. And the news can put whatever they want on there. And when you're watching, no, this is the news. They're supposed to be telling us the truth. Like, this is what's happening. Look at it. It's right there. But when you actually go online and you do your own research, and I'm always open to somebody who wants to play the opposite side of defense. And I will say, okay, present me with the facts. Prove to me that this is safe. Prove to me that it does what you're saying. It does like bring me your evidence. Like let's have an open conversation about it. You bring me your evidence. Like, I don't want to hear you just heard it on the news. Have you ever done your own research? Have you ever looked into this yourself? And 10 out of 10 times the answer is no it's oh well that's that's what they took why would they lie why do your own research look at this 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 and this that i have as evidence that i've looked at on our government it's literally listed on you know, the CDC, it's listed on the EEOC, it's listed on newyorkgov.com. It's literally there for you to see. It's You can look at the VERS report for yourself. You can see all of these things for yourself if you do just basic little research. If you just try ever so slightly, you will fall down that rabbit hole with everybody else and you will see what actually is happening. And a lot of it is they just don't have the accurate information, they're not doing the research. And I have people in my own family who are like that. And I'm like, okay, well, question. What what about X, Y, Z? And they're like, oh, well, that really? Here it is. Let me show it to you. And then they're like, you know, uh, 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 and all of a sudden they don't have a reply. And I'm like, yeah, go continue doing your research. If you have more questions, I'd be happy to help you. <laughs> like, You know, like they just don't look into it. Why? Why do you think that there are
0: people who just don't look into things.
1: I think some people truly believe they're, you know, they believe, No, they have to give us the right information they're, they, They have to they always have they always will. There are people who just don't have the time who generally don't care because it doesn't affect their life. And then there are the people who just can't handle the truth. So as long as I don't know about it, it's not really happening. So what, um, how do you
0: repair that situation? Like how do those, uh, how do you, when you're talking to people in your own family, when you're talking to people who have, uh, you know, a different point of view on this, how do we bridge that divide? How, how do we repair this as a society? How do we repair, repair this in New York?
1: Unfortunately we can't always do that. It depends on the other person you're speaking with and how you handle it. I'm a person who's very open and I'm willing to hear your side. I'm willing to see your research. Prove me wrong. I beg of you, prove me wrong. I will be quiet. I will admit that I'm wrong. hundred percent. My brother, on the other hand, he's just, no, this is what it is. How can you not see it? And he's not the best at having that open mind to hearing the other person's point. Cause he knows he's right type of person. So and, and he's, you know, more on my thinking with that. Um, but there are certain people who just, they don't want to hear it. So unless you have a person who is open to having that conversation and is open to exploring another side and not assuming they are just right and not, you know, just saying, well, this is what I know to be true. They ha- everybody has to be open to hearing the other Opinion and the other side, and doing research and doing the work. And unfortunately, we don't have enough people who are like that. So it's not going to happen. But I do think at some point, either one of two things is going to happen. People right now, they're doing things little by little, they're slowly taking away certain freedom. Everyone said, Oh, no, they would never do that. They would never, they would never. But little by little, they are doing it. So they're making people comfortable. They make you just uncomfortable enough where you won't complain about it and you can learn to live with it. And then once you learn to live with that, they do it again and they slowly are taking everything. So people are either just gonna keep getting comfortable with having less and less freedom or people are gonna get fed up and they're gonna get tired and be like, this doesn't make sense. And that's it. And they'll finally you know, kind of wake up a little bit. But I think at that point it might be too late as far as the vaccine mandate for COVID is concerned, but hopefully it won't be for other things. I think it's hilarious. I'm going to just like add in there, you know, obviously we know what's happening with the abortion stuff and the same people who are arguing my body, my choice are the same people for the most part, obviously it's not everyone. I'm not going to assume everyone, but for, especially in New York, the same people who are my body, my choice for an abortion are the ones who are like, no, you better go get vaccinated. You're killing your grandmother, like, and telling you what to do with your body as far as the vaccine's concerned. So there's also a lot of hypocrisy when it comes to people's own beliefs that they don't even realize.
0: Mm-hmm. In in the legal cases, though, there's a fair amount of overlap between those two issues.
1: Yeah, but unfortunately, not everybody sees that.
0: Do you um, do you hold out hope that the legal
1: system will resolve things in, in your favor? Do I hope with every fiber of my being? Do I think? I'm hoping we find that one needle in the haystack, but like I said, there's been three judges who had to be asked to be recused because they had stock in these pharmaceutical companies that they are, um, you know, in court against. So it just, if you have to ask the judge to recuse themselves, how, uh, you know, how much justice is really there. So you're not terribly optimistic? No. Nope.
0: I, I talked to, um, I've talked to some people who have left the state. Some people who just decided it was the, the mandate was the last straw and they had to live somewhere else. They had no confidence that the legal cases would be decided you know, in their favor, or that things would change in the future. Um, I mean, what do you think about this, this, like, division of people? <laughs> you know, you're not holding out wow. hope for, for the legal system to remedy the situation for you. And it seems that there's this this increasing division, You you don't have a lot of hope for being able to convince people who don't want to be convinced or, or, or maybe reach some sort of understanding. Where, where do you put place your, uh, I don't know, a hope for the, the future? <laughs> are we just going to split apart or what's going to happen?
1: I think, like I said, people you either are going to learn to deal with it or, you're gonna be one of those people who go. Personally, a lot of my family has moved down to Florida, whether because of the mandates or prior or whatever. Um, my father does not like heat. So I'm very big on family. I, I would not get to see my family very often if I did that. And I I just can't do that. We were looking into possibly um New Hampshire, because at least it's like a little bit closer and it's kind of like-minded, kind of like Florida-ish type deals. Like it has um, laws against the mandates and stuff that they're holding up pretty well. But um, being that the mandate is not upstate yet, and it's not throughout the entire state, I would probably go that route prior to moving first, because my family is very important. I'm a very big Catholic Italian family. Like I can't, I'm used to, you know, my cousins are my brothers and sisters, you know, my uncles and aunts are my mother and father, you know, extended family. Like, it's just not for me too much, you know. So for me personally, I I, I don't know, for other people, they either learn to live with it or they'll be one of those people who move as well. Um,
0: but you have thought about leaving, you know, if push came to shove, leaving the state.
1: Uh, very shortly if it was throughout like the entire state, we were looking, you know, what, what options we might have and, you know, stuff like that, but that's not an avenue. I really want to go down.
0: Are are there things that we haven't talked about that, that you wanted to bring up?
1: Um, I don't really think so. I mean, it just all kind of sucks and it's all, um, you know, hopefully it'll change. It's all corrupt. There's not much we can, you know, we're all going to keep fighting. We're all going to keep trying, but it's really hard when the people who make the laws and the people who, um, are supposed to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not impose. Um, oh my God, I just had it in my head. I'm sorry. I'm like shot in um, force. There you go. The people who are supposed to enforce the laws are getting all paid off and, you know, have a stake in this. There's only so much that can be done. So, I mean, we keep trying to move up the system, but hopefully one day we'll be heard at a higher level or we'll find that needle in a haystack who is isn't corrupt and things can change.
0: So you're hoping electoral politics maybe would would solve this problem? If we elected Um, something
1: different. (laughs) Yes, I think that would be our only hope. So hopefully we get um, one of the lovely governors who wanna reverse the mandate in November.
0: Does that look likely to you?
1: I think our system will do whatever they feel is necessary to do, and get who they want. So you're saying so not really.
0: <laughs> you're saying you don't have so confidence. No. You don't have confidence in the voting system.
1: No. Is that- it's also New York, and as much as we have a lot of people who are against the mandates, that's not the only issue that the candidates run on Mm -hmm. and New York tends, you know, at least the city aspect tends to be a little bit more on the liberal side. So luckily it's a statewide thing. So maybe hopefully, but probably not.
0: Did you in the past, um, give much thought to whether the voting system in, in New York was, uh, reliable, trustworthy? Is that something that were you always skeptical of it or is that new?
1: No, like I said, prior to COVID, like I didn't even like politics. I didn't know really much about it. I didn't really care. Yeah. And it wasn't until COVID that I, and I think that was with a lot of people, you know, that's when they started really looking into things and understanding how the legal system fully works inside and out and different laws that exist and different positions that are held and, you know, the voting system and all that stuff. But. hmm
0: So, so, um, you just, uh, it made you just skeptical of everything that, that people in power were doing kind of, yes. Yeah. Um, is that, is there any particular, uh, take that you have on the, on our voting system in New York on like how it's corrupted?
1: Can you elaborate more on what you mean?
0: Um, Well, you're kind of implying that the powers that be, whoever that is, could kind of install whoever they want to be in power. I mean, that's kind of what you were saying. So
1: I think it's more not that I don't think there's ever been, you know, issues, but like what they were trying, they were trying to make it where you didn't need an ID to go vote. In New York City, Mm -hmm. like they're trying all these different tactics to make it where they can meet their votes, if you will, whether it's spreading wrong information in the media, whether it's, you know, allowing people who shouldn't be voting the right to vote, whether it's, you know, possibly straight on corruption itself and, you know, falsifying ballots and stuff which i'm not saying it is done but it's not saying it can't be done so who really knows
0: right okay okay so just kind of like a wide, a broad uh manipulation of the system yes and it's all
1: about money too and so the the higher you up you are the more money you have the more you can contribute to the people you want and you know kind of do it that way
0: it's it's bad news for our system of government when people don't believe that our voting system it can be trusted right <laughs> like yeah. Yeah. um if if people become so skeptical of our government of everyone in power that we no longer have that the people no, no longer have confidence in the people running the show um how how do you think that could be restored what would need to happen
1: um i think it's going to take like one you know that needle in a haystack it's going to take that one candidate who actually starts turning things around for new york and starts you know keeping to their promise. When Adams came in, he promised, oh, you know, I'm not saying I'm going to take the mandate's way, but I'm going to look into things. I'm not, I don't like how it was implemented and then wound up terminating thousands of people, you know? So it's going to take that candidate who actually runs on a certain stance and actually follows through and continues to actually improve things for the city rather than continue to destroy it. I think that'll be a start.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, before I let you go, um, I just wanted to go back and talk about the school that you worked in a little bit and just ask you, you did have a a really good relationship. You said with your colleagues there and your administration, Mm -hmm. what do you hear from them these days about how everybody's doing? Um, how do you think that the kids have been affected by, um, you not being there anymore and maybe some other changes that are going on Uh, how do you think things are going for them what do you hear
1: well a lot of my students like still ask for me because you know I kind of just told them that because we didn't know if it was going to last if it wasn't so you know I also didn't want to scare them in either direction or you know give them any type of, you know, sway my own opinions onto them. That's not what a teacher is supposed to do. That's so I just let them know that, you know, I'm not going to be their teacher for a while, possibly the rest of the year, because I have my own, um, you know, things that I have to work through and stuff like that. Um, and they are still, you know, being we're there for the three years, I had some of my students from the previous years, this year, um, but like I said, we all work together, so we're all helping out with each other's classes. I was part of um, a Broadway program um, as a choreographer, so I couldn't do that. Um, well, one of the choreographers, so I had a very strong relationship with a lot of the kids. So even the kids that weren't my students were like, "Oh, you know, wh- where's where's so and so? Where you know where's Christina been? You know, obviously using my full name, but um, you know and luckily I'm able to keep in touch with my coworkers and stuff like that, but I was fortunate enough to have a substitute teacher take over my class who has worked with our students before, but there are a lot of schools where there were stories of, you know, they were trying to get people out of high school, people who weren't even certified, the amount of special, like the amount of, um, grievances that each school has because they're out of compliance the the lack of services the students are having the lack of um, teachers who are certified and qualified to be there it's you know they they don't have substitutes they're saying that the you know oh we have enough staffing we have no they don't they don't. They're they're lying to you. They don't have substitute teachers. They don't, you know. They they have some. Don't get me wrong, but they were already short staffed on teachers and powers in general. I'm not saying just at my, you know, my school, um, but the the horror stories you hear, it's just ridiculous and it's unfortunate because a lot of people don't know of these stories that actually exist.
0: Well, I want to really thank you for talking with me. And I, it seems like a real loss to those kids that you're not there with them because you're obviously um, somebody who's really dedicated and,
1: um, and, and not, I still have some of my old students actually like try to call me because when we went remote, they wound up, you know, their parents wound up giving our numbers to them and stuff. So I still have my like previous students who try to call me and be like, where are you? What are you doing? How are you? Um, And unfortunately I'm not even allowed to have that contact with them. So. It's all very unfortunate. The kids are the ones that lose out. So they want to cry, oh, the kids and being healthy, but it's really the kids and their education, their social, emotional well-being that's really being affected by them taking these teachers who go above and beyond and, you know, who pay for everything themselves because let's be honest, teachers don't get anything. So it's, it's all just very unfortunate for the kids.
0: So the kids, when they uh, try to get in touch with you, you're not able to respond to them
1: no, we're not allowed to communicate with any students. I mean, before COVID students were not supposed to be having our numbers and stuff. Obviously sometimes parents would get them. I never gave my phone number out to the students, but a lot, again, a lot of my students didn't speak English. So the parents wound up giving my number to the kids. So we would use WhatsApp and stuff like that. So there's still, you know, trying to reach out and I I get notifications that you know so and so sent you a message or I get voice recordings and stuff and we're like not allowed it like literally says you're not allowed contact with any of the students like I couldn't go to their graduation or anything like that it's it's just unfortunate Sorry, i rambled a lot in a lot of these answers, but I just have a lot of thoughts.
0: I, I'm glad to hear them. And I think everyone will be glad to hear them. And um, I, I congratulate you again on, on the good things that have happened in your life and um, hope that this will all be resolved for you in a way that's good for you and good for the kids that you are teaching too. Um, you, and you too. In, in the future when there is some kind of new development or resolution. I hope that
1: you'll come back in. Um, Absolutely. And thank you for doing this because I don't think a lot of, I don't think people actually understand what happens and how many people are actually affected. They they really don't. Like I know people that my husband works with and he's, they're like, oh wait, like that, that really happens. Like, wait, what? Like, They, they think people are, you know, it's all rumors and all stories. Like they don't believe that these horrible things are actually happening to people due to the mandates. So I appreciate your, uh, you spreading the word.
0: Well, I encourage everyone who listens to this conversation and the other conversations on the podcast to share um, episodes with people that they know, whatever their point of view on mandates is, so that um, people can be aware of what is happening, what the facts are, and we can all have a discussion about it.
1: Perfect. Thanks so much.